What's going on, 1015? How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad you're joining with us today. Can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody at our Lighthouse Point location? Man, we love you guys. So glad you're joining with us as we are in the final week of a series we've been in called My Joy Is My Job. And uh, I, I, I hope that you guys have been encouraged in this, this series. I hope that you've been challenged a little bit as we've been talking about how... how uh, a lot of us, what happens in life is, is that we're, we're, we're so much in the pursuit of happiness and, and what we fail to realize about happiness is happiness is based on what's happening in life. And, and, and if we're pursuing happiness, what ends up happening is we end up living an emotional roller coaster of a life because sometimes things are going really, really well and we're on the up and up. And then sometimes our we're kind of going down. And it's in those moments that we struggle a lot because we think that our, what's happening around us has to dictate what's happening within us. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been learning that, that we are to have this uncommon joy that no matter what is going on around us, that we can live with this passion and this zeal and this joy because it doesn't matter what's happening out there. As long as God is working in here, I can live with joy. And, we, and we've been studying a, a passage of scripture. We've been looking at some different verses. One of the verses was Nehemiah chapter eight, verse 10. It says, do not grieve. He says, listen, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You don't have to get upset about your circumstances or, or the problems you're facing or the dilemmas that you're in because there is something that is there to strengthen you and it's the joy of the Lord. Like God actually wants to walk into your situation. He wants to walk into your circumstances and he wants to strengthen you with his joy so that you can live with this uncommon joy. And we've been studying the book of Philippians over the past couple of weeks. If you don't know, it was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. And, and over 16 times, he tells them to have joy or to rejoice. And, and he's constantly having this encouragement for them to, to live with this uncommon amount of joy. And you would think that somebody that is writing in that form and that manner with that kind of attitude would, would be in the greatest state of life they could possibly. Like they have achieved it all. They're, they're, they're living in the penthouse in New York City overlooking Central Park, but that's not actually where Paul is. Paul is actually in a prison, a Roman prison, chained to a guard 24 hours a day awaiting his execution, and yet he has this perspective of, of, man, I, I'm, I've got something inside of me that is not predicated on what's happening around me. And I think some of us, we need to get that in our lives because too many of us are allowing our circumstances to dictate the majority of the feelings in our life. And what I love about Paul is that he saves the best for last. He's like Vanessa Williams in the 90s. He saved the best for last. And uh, some of y'all don't have any idea what I'm talking about. It's a song. It's a song from back in the day. And, and, and he dives right into chapter four, if you want to grab your Bibles, and, and, and he, he, he saves some of the most important keys to living with joy right here in Philippians chapter four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and here's what I'm going to do. I'll say it again, rejoice. He's like, in case you didn't get it the other 15 times that I've already said it, I want you to get it one last time. I, you need to get this. You need to be living with joy. And he's trying to encourage them, like this is something you gotta have. And I think the reason he's, he's speaking this way at the end, because when you're at the end, it's always the most important things you're saying. 
And he's trying, to, he's trying to give them that final word that's gonna help push them through to what they are going to need in their life. And what I've realized probably about the people that Paul was addressing and about us today is that we have a tendency, actually, I wouldn't even say it's a tendency, I would say it's a problem. There is a problem in our society and it's the fact that we are a very, very anxious people. Like, like we live with more anxiety and depression and fear and, and we're overwhelmed and stress. In fact, I, I, I went and I started doing some research, like what makes us so anxious? And it really comes down to three things. In all of my research, here, here's what it is. Get ready to write this down. This is important for you to know. Why are you so anxious? It's because of your past, your present, and your future. That's why we're anxious, right? Like, if you think about it, I'm anxious because of my past, I'm, the things that have happened to us. And what's so funny about that is we can't do anything about what's already happened to us. But a lot of us, when we're up in arms about it, and then we have all this anxiety about our present moment, and we take that anxiety and that fear and that worry, and we project it forward, and we worry about things that might not even happen. And so today ends up being the tomorrow you were worried about yesterday. And a lot of us, man, we're we are just living it out and, and it's impacting us. And it's impacting us in ways that we do not even realize. That we just think it's an internal thing, but it's so much more external than that. In fact, Shayla and I came back. We were, we were in Colorado two weeks ago and we got back late uh, last Friday night, really, really late. We, we got in from the airport, like midnight. We had to get home. And when we got home, we, we walked into our house. And have you ever walked in your house from being away and your house just like smells really bad? It's like, ooh, that's not good. And, and we knew exactly what it is when we walked in. It, 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 it's our great Dane, our, our dog named Preacher. Like he, 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 he stinks so bad, like he made our house stink. And, and, and we were like, oh man, preacher, you smell terrible. Like you, like he thinks he smells like perfume, but he smells terrible. Like he thinks he's smelling good. Like he, have you ever noticed that dogs like to roll in things they shouldn't roll in? And like, he's like, oh, I smell good now. No, 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 you just made our house smell terrible. And so Shayla's like, man, let's go to bed. I'll, I'll give him a bath in the morning. And so we wake up the next morning. We do our Saturday morning routine. We go grab breakfast. We come home and Shayla's like, hey, I'm gonna give him a bath. And she goes outside and she gives preacher a bath. And, and as soon as he's done with his bath, he gets what we call the zoomies where like he takes off running like a, like a bat out of hell. Like, and, and I don't know if you've ever seen a Great Dane run. It looks like a giraffe right after birth. Like just like <laughs> legs flaring everywhere. It's like, it's like pure chaos in motion. And, uh, and so he's running around. She's like, hey, you need, you need to take him for a walk. And so I grab his collar and his leash and we, we go to take him on this walk around our neighborhood. There's this little little path that we take every day. And, and so we're walking, we're about halfway to this park and he goes over into the grass to, to use the restroom. And uh, so I, I, he pees, okay? I don't know, how, how do you want me to say it? I don't know how to say it, okay? And so he goes over into the grass and, and I see him and his leg is like shaking uncontrollably. I'm like, that's weird. And then he tries to take another step and he's shaking and all of a sudden like his entire body is shaking and he starts, he starts like heaving and he starts throwing up. 
And we're like, oh my gosh, what's wrong with the preacher? And I'm like, I, I, I turn to Shayla and I'm like, I think he's having a seizure. He's never had a seizure before, but that's what he has some like foam at the mouth and like he, he's, not, he's not looking good. And Shayla's like, you need to pick him up and carry him back. I'm like, that dog weighs 150 pounds. I ain't picking him up and carrying him back. Like that joker's gonna have to, we're gonna have to go slow motion all the way back home. That's what we're gonna do. And we get him back to our house and, and immediately, you know, we do what every person that's very concerned about their animal does is Shayla goes on Google to find out what's wrong with them. You know, now I'll take him to the vet. That would be, that would be too caring. We go to Google. <laughs> she starts researching. She starts finding all this information that the stress of getting a bath sent him into shock. In fact, I just had a dog trainer in the service before, and she goes, as soon as you said what was happening, she goes, I know exactly what's happening. Your dog was going into shock. And it made me think that if just getting a bath and it made my dog so anxious that he went into shock, what is stress? What is anxiety? What is worry due to us? In fact, you start looking up medical journals, they actually say that 90% of cases that are going into the hospitals, you, you think it's a headache. No, 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 that's from stress. You think it's a fever. No, 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 that's your immune system is worn down because of stress and the hormones that you've been releasing because you're worried and you're anxious and you're overwhelmed with fear. And we're not even realizing the impacts that it's having our lives, not only mentally, but physically as well. And we're wondering why we're not living with joy. And Paul goes, hey, listen, I, I, I saved the best for last. I wanna give, give you five things that I think that if you'll, if you'll do these things and they go in sequential order, so you can't just like skip and choose what you're gonna do. You need to do all five of these things. If you wanna live in the fullness of joy every day of your life. And the first one is this, if you're taking notes today, which you should be because your money paid for those, those cards that are, are out on that seat, you better make the most of it. It's number one, you gotta worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. He says the, the moment that that stress, that those overwhelmed feelings, that all, all that stuff comes into your mind, here's what you need to do. You need to take a pause. You take a step back. And this is what it says in Philippians chapter four, verse six, be anxious about nothing. Other versions say, worry about nothing. I actually looked up that word anxious, the definition in the Webster dictionary. It says, experiencing worry, unease, or nervousness about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. If you actually look up the Greek word for the word anxious, it literally means to be pulled apart. So when we begin to worry, what it's doing to us internally is it is pulling us apart. It's making us not whole, not complete. And then we're wondering why we're lacking and missing out on joy because we're ripping holes in ourselves by being anxious. So that's why Paul goes, hey, don't worry about anything. In fact, I, I, I read this, worry is interest paid in advance on a debt that you don't even owe yet. 
And a lot of us, we're making payments on things that are never even going to come to fruition, that never even come into our lives. And we're wondering why we're missing so much of the joy that God wants to put in our life. And listen, there is not enough room in your mind for both worry and faith to be together. Because a head full of fears has no room for faith. Corey Ten Boom, who we talked about a little bit last week, she said this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its troubles. It empties today of its strength. And so many of us, we're, we're losing our strength, we're losing our endurance, we're losing our faith because we're using today's strength on tomorrow's problems that might not even be there. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, he says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Like Jesus is going like, what value does it actually add to you to put all of that emotional effort into those thoughts? He goes on to say in verse 34, therefore, he says, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Like when you get there, you're gonna worry about it then. Like each day has enough trouble of its own. Can we all agree? Every day has enough trouble of its own. Like I don't need to project in the future about things that aren't even happening yet. Like I just need to stick in today. And Jesus actually said in another place, he said, like in this world, you will have trouble. So it's not like he's saying like, listen, you're gonna have a trouble-free life. He's saying you're gonna have trouble. But then he says, but take courage. See, instead of grabbing hold of worry, we need to grab hold of courage. He says, for I have overcome the world. And we need to realize that we're not supposed to worry. We're supposed to grab hold of courage so we can move forward in faith with joy. And this is what he says. Number two, what you need to do is don't worry about anything. But number two, you need to pray about everything. You got to pray about everything. Verse, continuing verse six, he says, in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. He says, here's what you need to do. Whatever you're worrying about, whatever you're overwhelmed with, whatever that fear is that, is that is just living inside your mind, you need to take that to God. You need to bring it to him. Because if we prayed as much as we worried, we'd have a whole lot less to worry about. And some of us need to, we get, need to form this habit where we take some things to God. And, and here's what I've learned. Hey, Jesse, can I borrow you real quick? Can you jump up here real quick? Put your phone down. You're not going to be able to hold on to that. You can just put it right. You can put it in your pants wherever you, I need you to stand right there. Jesse, for the first time in your life, you've got an upgrade in life. You are God today. Let's go. Jesse, Jesse's been waiting for this moment all of his life to be God. He's like, I have finally arrived. Ladies, he's single, by the way. He's single. He's single. He's single and he's God. That's a good combination right there. So, but only if you love Jesus and you got a job. Okay. Anyways, trying to help you out, brother. He, he appreciate it. So, so here's what happens. A, a lot of us, I, I, I believe that a lot of us, we're carrying around worry, fear, anxiety, stress. And we hear verses like this, like, in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. We hear verses like, cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. And we go, okay, I, like, here's all this stuff. And what we do is we go, hey, God, here you go. Like Jesse's ready to go right now. 
And like the moment we toss that on him, there is a a relief that comes to us. Like a burden has been lifted. All of a sudden, like we're not as anxious as we were. Like all of a sudden, we're like, we just, we're just breathing. But what a lot of us do is we don't just toss it to God. What we do is we go, God, hey. We ask for it back. We think that God is not capable of handling that problem, handling that stress, handling that anxiety. And because he's a gracious God, he'll actually give you what you ask for. A lot of us thought that that was only in the positive aspect. But if we give something to him, he's not gonna keep it from us if we keep asking him back for it. And we wonder why like in that moment we felt so free, but then all of a sudden we get overwhelmed again because we constantly go back to it and ask for it back. And what he's saying is he's saying, man, we need to, we need to cast our cares for it with God, to God instead of playing catch with God. And a lot of us, that's what we're, God doesn't throw very well. We just learned that. Uh, <laughs> If you're looking for an athlete, Jesse is not your man. Uh, I'm just, I'll just. <laughs> because we fail to realize that, that God actually has a great exchange that he wants to do with us. See, the reason he says, Man, toss this over here and then have thanksgiving. It's because the moment that you, you let go of that stuff and you go, man, God, thank you so much for the freedom that you give to me. Thank you so much for all that you're giving me. If you look down in verse seven, he says, and the peace of God. See, all of a sudden, when I give that to God, God makes an exchange with me. I give him my cares, my worries, my doubts, my fears, my stress. And what God gives in exchange is he goes, hey, I'm gonna give you something so much better than those. I'm gonna give you peace. And all those things that you couldn't comprehend, you couldn't figure out, here's what I'm gonna do. That peace is gonna transcend all of the understanding you have and it's gonna give you a calmness in your life. And here's what that peace will do. It will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That word guards there in the Greek, it literally means to prevent a hostile takeover. And so the moment we give it to God and we start celebrating and we start thanking him, he gives us peace that all of a sudden, what it does is it prevents our mind from having a hostile takeover from all of that stuff ever again. And some of us, we need to learn how to give it to God and leave it with God. Come on, give it up for Jesse. Thank you. See, and I've just learned that anxiety happens when I think I have everything figured out. But it's the reason why we need to turn to God who actually has everything planned out. And if God's already got everything planned out, then I just need to rely and I need to trust on him and I need to wait for his peace. And then number three, here's what I need to do. I need to think about the right things. I need to begin to think about the right things. Verse eight, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, here's what you need to do. You need to think about such things. It says you need to get a hold of what's going on in your mind. My wife says this to me all the time and to a lot of other people. 
You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. And a lot of us, the reason we're not experiencing the joy and the fullness of joy that God wants to give us is because we're allowing the stinking thinking to continue to permeate our minds. And what we're doing is we're opening up our mind. It's like, it's like putting a Trojan horse in our mind. The enemy just comes in and he continually sabotages us because of the way we think. Because of the way we think. And Paul here is saying, hey, listen, you gotta stop thinking all the terrible, negative, demoralizing thoughts. And you need to start thinking about what is lovely and what is right and what is pure and what is admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. You need to start to change the way that you think. Because if you're not thinking the right way, then you're fixing your mind on the wrong things. And you need to begin to fix them on the right things things. I, I, I'll equate it like this. Uh, if, if you decide, you know what, this year, I, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lose weight. I'm going to go and I'm going to lose weight. And you go and you hire a personal trainer seven days a week and you go to the gym and you work out seven days of work, seven days a week. You work so hard. You spend two hours there with that personal trainer. But every day that you come home, you eat a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts it doesn't matter how much you train at the gym, you can't outrun a bad diet. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you, you give to God, you're not gonna outrun negative thinking. And we've gotta begin to change our thinking. He's going, man, you gotta change. Proverbs says it like this, for as he thinks in his heart, in his heart, so is he. So however you're thinking, you've gotta begin to change that. And here's what I know about most of us. Most of us, I, I, won't, I won't put you on this. I know that I am my biggest critic. Like nobody talks worse about me than me. Well, maybe some of you guys do, but it's, that's, we'll, we'll address that in a different sermon. Like I'm my worst critic. And here's the problem with that. If I'm listening to me, I'm gonna end up worse off than when I began. And so I can't listen to what I think. I need to start to talk to myself. Like I can't listen to the words that I'm speaking to myself. I gotta start talking to myself. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Some of us, we need to stop listening to what we think. We need to start speaking what God thinks about us over our life. And so we go, you know what? I'm not defeated. I'm more than a conqueror. Man, I have victory in Christ Jesus. I have the fullness of joy in my life because Jesus is in my life. We gotta start speaking things that aren't as though they are because that's what God would have. That's, the, that's a faith decision in life. And stop thinking about what could go wrong and start thinking about what could go right. Then number four, we gotta be content with my things. Starts to change it up a little bit on us here in verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I have need for I've learned to be content Whatever the circumstances. It's a key word there. It's this word, learn. We talked about this a little bit last week. The, you want to know how you'll have the most joy? It's when you're growing. It's when you're becoming. It's when we're learning to adapt and we're experiencing something new. And, and here's what I know about a lot of us in life is that a lot of us, the reason we're so anxious and we're so fearful and we're so overwhelmed in life is we're, because we're always striving for more in life. 
Like we never learn to be content where we are. This word learn is an interesting word. In fact, some of you guys, I was thinking about this this week. Some of you guys feel like I'm dealing with the same issue over and over and over again. It's like Groundhog Day on repeat. And here's what I've learned when I'm going through a difficult moment or a difficult situation or a big problem in my life. I ask God this one question. God, what are you trying to teach me right now that I'm not getting? Because here's my fear for a lot of us that are encountering the same problems over and over and over again is that God is giving us a test that we keep failing. And where he's trying to get us to learn, but we're so stubborn because we're set in our ways that we're not going, God, what are you trying to teach me right now so I can pass this test? It's why some of you have been a Christian for 13 years and you're still in third grade in Christianity. Because we're not the public school. We're not just going to push you through. God actually wants you to learn something. Every public school teacher hates me right now, but I'm just, (laughs) like, we're not just trying to get rid of you. God's actually trying to teach you so you can become like his son, which means you and I have got to learn. That's why he says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He's going, how well do you respond when things aren't going well? Like, have you learned that when there's difficult moments to grow in that season or do you just gripe in that season? Like, what have you determined? Because Paul's going, listen, my joy is not based on my circumstances. My joy is based on something so much deeper than my circumstances. It's based on the personhood of Jesus. That's why he says in 1 Timothy, but godliness with contentment, here's what it is. It's great gain because the secret to having it all is believing you already do. And some of us, we don't believe we do. That's why we're striving for more and more because your identity doesn't come from what you have, but who you have. And the problem is, is that we're so ingrained in our culture to think, well, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I I live in that neighborhood. I'll be happy when I graduate from that college. I'll be happy when I have that position. I'll be happy when I drive that car. I'll be happy when I have this much money in my bank account. I'll be happy when I have six-pack abs. And I'll just be honest with you. Like, I'm preaching to myself right here. Because, like... This is, this is my struggle in life right now. Like, Shayla and I are, are probably in one of the greatest seasons of our lives from 
from a personal standpoint, like, like we, we, we're living our dream. Like we have no debt besides a little bit on our mortgage. We, we have no car payments. We have, we have no credit cards. We have none of that stuff. Like we have so much freedom in our life. And what is constantly going through my head is it's like, TJ, listen, if you just drove that car, to, Shayla would think you're sexier. Why was that funny? That wasn't supposed to be funny. Like that's like if you lived in that neighborhood, people would respect you more. And I guarantee you, I'm not the only one that thinks that way. I'm not the only one that has that battle going on in their mind. I've had to constantly take a step back and go, no, 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 I, I, I'm gonna choose to be content with my things. I'm gonna, I'm gonna learn that those things don't give me significance, worth, and value, and identity. No, 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 that all comes from Jesus Christ. And I think the true mark of contentment is when you become okay with what you have. He says you gotta, have this contentment. Then number five, he says, you need to trust God for all things. Philippians 4, 13, he says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, what's interesting is we love to take this verse and cherry pick this verse and go like, for any, any idea that we have, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But the context of this verse is actually talking about your joy. Like when you're going through difficult moments, here's what God says, you can do all things through me who's gonna give you strength. You can have joy in this moment when everybody else says you can't. You can have joy in this moment when it seems overwhelming and the odds are stacked against you because I'm doing something here. I'm trying to teach you something. I'm trying to develop something in you. I, I need you to be anxious for nothing but pray in everything and start to renew your mind and be content with where you're at because I'm trying to do something in this season that if you don't get, you're gonna miss out for the next season. And here's what I need you to do in this moment. I need you to trust me. Here's what I love about God. Because all of these things in our lives, this worry, this fear, this anxiety, these are our weaknesses. This is where we're stumbling. This is where we're falling. And I love that God makes a great exchange of where we're weak, if we'll give him our weaknesses, He'll become our strength. That's why he says I can do everything, not through my strength, not through my gifts, not through my talent, not through my ability, not through my aptitude, not through my intelligence, but through him who gives us strength. God's trying to get us to go, man, listen, you taking a hold of all this stuff and you hanging on to it for dear life, this changes nothing. But when you give that to me, 
I believe God's saying, I change everything. And here's the promise that he has for us when we make that exchange. Because you think, well, God, if I give this to you, if, if I truly let go and I make this hand off to you, then what about me? Like, what about all these things? Like, how is it going to work? How, how am I going to be taken care of? How am I going to make it through this situation? And here's what he says in verse 19. He says, and my God will meet all of your needs. That place where you think you're going to be empty, he's going to fill it. That place where you think you're going to be weak, he's going to be your strength. That place where you think you're going to be lacking, he's going to be your supply. Because it's not according to your riches, but it's according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And church, I don't know what you need to give him today. What your worry, what your fear, what your problem, what your anxiety is, what that overwhelmness is, what that, what that depressive spirit is that's on you today. But I believe that God wants to make a great exchange right here, right now in your life. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you, if you wouldn't mind just taking a posture of surrender, just put your hands out, palms up before God. And just say, God, this problem that I've been facing this depression that's been overwhelming me. God, this fear that has been crippling, this striving that has driven me, these anxious thoughts that have consumed my mind. God, I just surrender them here to you today. God, I, 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 I open my hands, palms up, going, God, they're yours to take. I don't choose any longer to carry them, but God, I trust you with them. And God, I just pray right now over every man, every woman, every student that's in this room right, right now that your peace that surpasses all understanding would begin to fill them from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head. God, that it would guard their hearts and minds, that it would build a hedge of protection around them right now in Jesus' name, that they, they would put their trust and their faith in you and that they would be content with their things, that you would begin to guard their mind, that they wouldn't think about what could go wrong, but they would start to think about what could go right. God, I pray that you would, you would speak victory to them right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray that they would have dominion over those problems right now in Jesus' name. God, I pray for, for breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Things that have been held back because they have not learned. Let this be the moment that they pass the test to move on to the next level of assignment that you have for them right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for your divine guidance. Thank you for your divine provision. Thank you for meeting us right here, right now in a supernatural way. Chains be broken. Burdens be lifted. Freedom be encountered right now. God, we thank you for what you're doing. But God, I also know that maybe there's some people that are in here today that we're talking about this joy that's unexplainable, that maybe you've been missing that from your life and it doesn't come through things of this world, but it becomes through the thing you sent to this world, your one and only son, Jesus Christ. 
And I'm not talking about rules or religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator that loved you so much that he saw you in the middle of your anxious thoughts, in the middle of your mess and said, I have a solution to your problem. And it is the greatest exchange that God ever gave. The gift of his son so that you could experience eternal life. And maybe you need to experience that for the first time or the first time in a long time. It begins with a simple yet significant prayer of surrender. The Bible says that if we call on the name of the Lord, talking about Jesus, that we will be saved. And maybe you need to experience that here today. If that's you on the count of three. If you just slip your hand up, I'd love to pray a simple yet significant prayer with you. One, two, three. Go ahead and slip those hands up high with every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you. One, two, three, four. Who else? Five. I see you back there. Six. Thank you. Who else? Seven. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? You just pray this prayer in your heart as I prayed out loud. Say, God, thank you for being willing to dive right in the middle of my mess. For the incredible gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth and paid the ultimate price, the price for my sin and my shame. I ask you to forgive me of my past, change my present, and secure my future. God, I give you my heart and I give you my life. I surrender all to you. Fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience and your kindness and your goodness and your mercy. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. I love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said, amen.